Tulsa Music Stream. And now, your hosts, Scott and Jenna Squires. You want the dirt on rock and roll? You got it. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 90. We are Tulsa Music Stream, and we'll be joined here in a few minutes with Carlos Cavazzo, which uh, everyone really knows him back in the early 80s, 83, in Quiet Riot with the mega monster album Metal Health and then Condition Critical. He also uh, played with Rat. He's currently in King Cobra. And so, as always, make sure you. Um, Subscribe to our Facebook page and our, our uh, YouTube uh, page, our Twitter. We are at TUL Music Stream, and we also are on Twitch. Our podcast platforms are Spotify, iHeartRadio, I Amazon, and um, so many more, so many more. So I'm joined here with my uh, co-host, Jana. Hello, good evening. I keep thinking it's Monday. You know, I'm sure everybody out there feels like it's Monday because of that nice long holiday weekend that we had we hope everyone had a good safe one a lot of you guys rocked out at rocklahoma man what uh what a killer event the crowd was huge some of the pictures were just mind-blowing how uh, i love those aerial shots from above the crowd it looks like everyone had a great time i'm sure they're still recovering from that yeah so if you went out there hope it was great and uh cool thing about our guest tonight is he's he's played rocklahoma yeah. probably about four or five times so um, we'll definitely um, ask him about some of his experiences at Rocklahoma for sure. Certainly we will. There's a lot to talk about. Carlos is a busy guy. He's uh, got a cool online store that we're going to be talking about. If you guys are in the market for some uh, rock and roll clothing, jewelry, actually Scott and I are wearing two of the shirts tonight from their online store. Carlos is coming in the room as we speak. So let me get him set up here with us real quickly. He's coming in, connecting to audio. You awesome. guys got to check out their online store, though. It yeah. is uh, called Bang Your Head. Yep. And we're also on TikTok, Instagram. Uh, so make sure you check out our TikTok pages and Instagram. We also do a lot of shorts on YouTube. Yes. And, um, you know, as always, uh, always share share our stuff on your Facebook pages and your favorite groups and whatnot. Yep. But, and I'm glad to say the man of the hour is here. Carlos, can you hear us okay? Uh, yes, I can. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm going to go ahead and bring you on screen right now. We were just bragging on uh, all the various things that you have going on. Of course, we want to dig in a lot to your all the things you have going on musically, but I thought it would be a great place to start telling people about this amazing uh, store that you and your wife started in 2015. It is called Bang Your Head Apparel. Scott and I are wearing two of the shirts tonight. They're awesome. They look great. They're comfortable. Guys, I know that all the people watching tonight are, are rock and rollers, so go to bangyourhead.us. Guys, they have they have T-shirts, They ha not just for men, but for women as well. Let me kind of scroll through some of these. There's Carlos and Vicky right now holding up the shirt that Scott's wearing tonight. But check this out. If you go to bangyourhead.us, look, they have a great selection of women's and men's T-shirts. Not just T-shirts, you can get buttons. They've got customized jewelry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you and Vicky came up with this idea, Carlos, and, and how sales are going for you guys? Well, first of all, how are you guys? How are you doing? And hey. doing great, Thank you man. So much. 
Thank you so much for the promo. That was awesome. You bet. Uh, but I, I have to give all the credit to my wife. She's totally into clothing and selling clothing and jewelry and um, all that stuff. I was like having my dad, you sure you want to do this? It's a lot of time, you know, it's time consuming and uh, she's into it. So I, I'm glad she's happy. That's all it makes, you know, makes me happy. So. And it's really, really cool stuff. I mean, like I've got a picture up here. It's not just your standard T-shirts. You've got tanks. I'm telling you guys, get on there, bangyourhead.us, and and pick up some stuff. It it totally rocks. Um, that is a, that is definitely an exciting endeavor that you and her have going on. And you know, not Thank only you. do you have that going on, but man, you're just a busy guy with music. <laughs> Besides King Cobra, I thought we'd start out talking about Freak Show. We got really excited. Yeah, man, we got we got excited when we saw uh, Rick Fox is a friend of our show. He's been on with us oh, yeah. a I couple of times, it. and this is the album that you guys put out earlier in the year called "So Shall It Be." Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got involved with this project and the current lineup and what you guys are doing right now. Uh, well, actually, Ronnie Borchert, the singer for the band, got a hold of me through Vicky on social media, and uh, they wanted to know if I was would be interested in helping them finish off their record. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, Jeff Labar was in the band, and he had passed away, and... Uh, the, the songs are already written before I came into the band, so um, I, I told them, "Well, send me the songs, and I'll check them out." And I like I like the way they're they sounded, and, and they're nice guys, so I thought I'd do it. And uh, I did it all digitally at home, you know, recorded at home, and sent them all the files, and they they produce it, you know, kind of thing. Right. So cool. It, it did that take very long? I mean, I heard you in a recent interview talk about how the King Cobra album was recorded so differently than than you know how a lot of us older older guys and gals are used to doing albums where you get together and you hang out with your buddies and knock a few back and then record. It sounds like the freak show album was done the same way, just uh, out of your, out of your, uh, basically your home studio. Uh, it sure was. Yeah. That's the, seems to be the norm today in today's technology. Uh, but, uh, for, for those you might not know, it's like you, you run through the garage band or pro tools and you choose a, a plug in like an amp sound uh, that you like, and a lot of times I'll record everything that I hear in my head that could go in the song, and I'll send them my plugin that I like, and I'll send them the dry signal also, so they can use a plugin of their choice. That's the technology of today, right. you know. And uh, I send them all my files, and they produce it, and and also they can move things around on on one of the songs on the King Cobra album. I recorded a part that I thought went good in the verse. Yeah. But they ended up using it in the chorus, so they can like slide things around. You know, it's, it's weird. It's it's different. It's not like everybody in the studio together, and yeah. and what you record down is what's going to be what you're going to hear. But it's not that way with with the digital technology. It could be a lot different than what you originally thought. Yeah, and I I'm I'm old school. I I miss the camaraderie. We just did a. I don't know right. if you're into this kind of stuff, but we just did a fantasy football. Uh, draft and you know back in the day we'd all get together and, and get some uh, buffalo wings and hang out and give each other crap you know about who we were picking or who we didn't get uh -huh. and now that stuff's <laughs> done online too so it just seems like we're in a world yeah. where everybody's just kind of separated and and uh, you know there's a lot I of know. advantages to modern technology but, but but we lose some of that camaraderie for sure and you did mention well, king cobra go ahead well i was going to mention uh what's even worse what uh, was uh, a video that we did for King Cobra. Uh, 
we all live in different states, so I ha uh, we didn't get together. I went to a, like a, a recording studio that had a had a, a, a green screen, you know, basically a green screen studio, and I did the video by myself. You know, no band members to, to play Jeez. on or Crazy. it was it was weird. It was definitely weird. It's not like it was before with the, uh, no. with wow. the whole band together on the stage, you know, and acting it out. You know? Yeah, no kidding. So Carmine, he brings the the band back together with the name he he does he, he does bring back johnny rod on bass right. and um but then he fills it in with um with you and uh was it Ro rowan, uh, Robertson. Rowan, Robertson. rowan yeah rowan which played with yeah. do and um also bang tango we've seen him up there at um uh, uh key west i guess he was playing right. with bang tango so yeah. uh we are we are warriors new album and you co-wrote a bunch of these songs as well a few of them right uh yes i did uh they had started the record before they contacted me and they had about half of it done i think or close close to being done they asked me if i could do a couple of songs i said sure let me let me work on it and then uh, i ended up doing the whole record and i had some other songs up my sleeve so i brought them in and they liked them and uh, I didn't write the lyrics to them, but Paul Shortino did, and yeah. uh, um, rest is, the rest is history, I guess. But uh, um, what else was I going to say? I guess that's it. I don't know. You get you have quite of a history with uh, Paul Shortino all the way you know, all the way back in even the Quiet Riot days um, when right. he released the debut. Was it Quiet Riot or some like to call it QR4? Mm. But um, mm you have quite a history was there something that you've always like you know, since since those days you guys kind of stayed in contact with one another uh yes we did we've always been friends um that's one of the reasons why i decided to work with these guys um i was almost i was at the stage where i didn't even want to really really be in a band anymore i was kind of over it didn't want to tour that much anymore and uh uh, I, these guys, I've known Carmine since the mid '80s, and I've worked with him on a few projects, but never recorded with him. But he's always easy to work with, no drama. And same with Paul; he's a nice guy, no drama, no problems. And they're they're great songwriters, great great musicians. And it was it was a no brainer for me. I said, sure, I'll do it. You know, but if it wasn't for that, I probably might not have. But uh, they're they're easy to work with, and I love it. You know, it's great. Mm. I think the older we get, the less drama we want, and and I certainly right. I certainly sure. understand that. When you kind of look ahead, maybe the next twelve months, do you see yourself touring? Uh, and when I say touring, I understand that touring is done differently now than it was back in the day. You know, it's kind of the the weekend warrior stuff. A lot of times, do you see right. yourself uh, doing th that type setup with both uh, Freak Show and King Cobra over the next twelve months or so? Uh, well, uh, I think everybody would make, well, I'm speaking for King Cobra, I'm not sure what Freak Show had in mind, but uh, I don't know if I could do a bus tour. I don't know if I'd be into that, unless right. the album also takes off and it's like amazing hit. We probably sure. have to. Sure. Right. Uh, but our wishes for King Cobra, just do certain great clubs and theaters, and maybe if we can get into some festivals in the future for next year, like maybe, uh, you know, some of the big festivals like Rocklahoma or M3 Festival, things like that, that would be awesome to be in, in, in the slot somewhere. Yeah, speaking of Rocklahoma, we, we were researching you over the last few days, and, and uh, <laughs> Scott realized how many times you've a you actually played Rocklahoma. I mean, it's yeah. it's a minimum of maybe three, four, I don't know. It's quite a few. It's yeah, quite a bit. Quite a bit. They, and we just we just had Rocklahoma just this past weekend, so definitely right. would love to see you guys back out there. Um, I would and, love to 
Oh, for sure, man. For sure. it's it's a great time. Everybody always always loves checking it out. And he, but mostly, I think they were all with Rat and 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 not yeah. Quiet yeah. Riot, which was sure. you know the the year was it two thousand seven. Yeah, in two thousand seven, that was like one of Kevin's um, one of his last last shows. Last shows oh, yeah, that, that was, I was not in the band then. Yeah, yeah, that would have been one of his last shows. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, but let's let's take it all the way back, man. Back in the 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 old days on the street of Hollywood, uh, Sunset Boulevard. You're young, you're a young cat, and and you're in this band with your brother Tony, and you have this band called Snow, and you're playing all these clubs, man. And and this is just a little bit before. Well, I mean, Sunset's always kind of been a big thing, but it didn't blow up until you got into in, into the Quiet Riot Metal Health days. Right. But tell us a little bit about Snow and that riff, you know, Bang Your Head was what, Speed of Light? Is that right? Uh, no, I oh. hear <laughs> Speed of Light was the band before Snow. That, that's that right, that's right. Had. Yeah, and we're playing cover tunes still, obviously. And then we went on to form Snow in 1977, I believe. Mm -hmm. And we started writing songs at that point. And actually, the uh, Bang Your Head was my brother's original riff. He came up with the first three chords, bah, bah, bah. Mm -hmm. And I added I added in bah, da, 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 da. And then I, then I came up with the rest of the stuff, the music. And then the singer wrote the lyrics at that time. It was called No More Booze. No More Booze. I had that right there, right <laughs> next to Speed of Light. <laughs> Right. And then uh, Kevin had, had seen our shows before in the club scene. You know, he would come down sometimes and he always liked that one song. So when, when me and him got together, uh, he wanted to do that song. I go, OK, well, maybe we should rewrite it. So I rewrote all the music, except that the, the chorus was already already great. And Kevin wrote all new lyrics and he and he, he wanted to name the song Ban Your Head, which was actually a term, a term, well, a term that Randy didn't create, but Randy Rhodes was on the phone with Kevin and said, "Yeah, there's. I'm out here. In, he's in Europe somewhere." And he goes, "I'm uh, these kids out here are called headbangers, and they're banging their head in the front row." And Kevin was going, "What?" That was before he, we didn't know what the headbanger was. And then after he got off the phone with Randy, he, he, he was, "Carl, someone named the song head, Bang Your Head." And I go, what? I, don't, "I don't know if I like that, <laughs> wow. that title." <laughs> goes to show what I knew, but it worked, and, and uh, he named the song Bang Your Head. Wow, uh, Thanks wow. to Randy. Well, yeah. speaking of Randy, when you took his place in Quiet Riot in 82, did did you feel a sense of immense pressure to fill his shoes? Or I mean, Carlos, let's face it, you, you, you hold your own just fine. So, you know, you, you've had an excellent career and, and everyone considers you a legendary guitarist as well. Thanks. But stepping into Randy's shoes, did, did you feel a pressure to, you know, meet that bar or even exceed it? Uh, well, yeah, I had to at least be as good as him or close because sure. they, they were used to him, you know. Sure. But I didn't let it go to, go get to me too much. I just didn't think about it, and I just did the best I could. And, uh, you know, we didn't uh, – not that many people really knew Randy with Quiet Riot. They right. they knew him. In the L.A. club scene, they did. He was he was very popular. But uh, as far as, you know, the world, he, he became popular with, obviously, Ozzy. But uh, the one thing I noticed about Randy when he was with Quiet Riot, they were more pop back then, mm -hmm. uh, more more pop rock. And when me and Kevin got together, we we said we want to stick to really harder metal, you know. And, and we tried to stick to that. And I noticed that when Randy went with Ozzy, he, he got a lot more dark too. His yes. sound became more darker in his playing and his songwriting. 
man. Right, right. And then you even you even opened up for um, Quiet Right when you're in snow, and you would actually got you know get you get to watch them and everything, and actually do shows with them, which was had to been crazy back then. Uh, yeah, it was cool. Uh, snow opened up for Quiet Right Bike maybe three or four times, I believe. Hmm. And uh, I used to watch them do their sound checks. Randy would come out and set his amp and start warming up. And we'd all be going, yeah, it sounds great. You know? And, uh, you know, he, he would come into our dressing room and talk to us. I was in there one time by myself and he came in and he was checking out my guitars and mm-hmm. seeing what I had. Uh, we just had small talk and he was a real nice guy. No ego. Seemed like a total normal guy to me back then. Sure. And um, uh, I almost got the jam with a guy one time. Uh, uh, there was a party in Burbank and uh, there was a band at the party and they were letting people come up and sit in. And me and uh, I think one or two other members of Snow went up there to sit in with some people. And I saw uh, Kevin and Randy walk into the party. <laughs> and I was going, you guys, come on, come on up here. Mm. And they were they were like, no, 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 no. I go, Get the hell up here. And <laughs> They didn't want to come up. I think maybe they had maybe a little too much to drink or they're yeah. just interested in looking at the women. I don't know what, but they, they never, never did. So sure. I wish well, they so, would have, I could have gambled, Randy. Yeah. And so then, of course, he goes on to Ozzy and becomes this uh, great guitar hero. And, and then, sure. you, you know, uh, Kevin, you know, he's still stuck there. He, lo- he loses his friend and then he brings you guys in and, and metal health happens. You guys get signed to Pasha. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. that happened. Uh, Spencer Proffert produced the album. Uh, it's what night is it? 1982 that this is all going coming around and before the release of the album. We started recording it. I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, we started recording in '82, like mm-hmm. uh, summer of '82, mm-hmm. and then it came out in March of '83. Now we've talked about you know recording now and how things can be digitally moved around and it's just weird go back in time to recording that album try to give us a sense of what it was like making an album in the early 80s i'm trusting that you guys had a pretty good budget to work with how many layers of guitars are you putting down and how much tape is being spliced together i mean just walk us through the process where he and i play and so we're always kind of interested in picking you guys brains about you know, the studio and the recording and the equipment side of things. What was that like making an album like that? It was quite a bit of work. He had us working our asses off, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, obviously at first we'll, we'll, you know, get the drum sounds and worry about the drums first and then lay all the drums down on, on uh, maybe a couple of songs or whatever song we're working on. And then we get the bass next and then we start, and, and, and while the drums and bass is being recorded, we'll, we'll record a scratch guitar right. that we may not even keep. Well, if it comes out, comes out good, we will keep it. But uh, but then after the drums and bass are done, we start putting guitars on there. And yes, they do make you do a couple layers of guitars, like two, three, four sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. depending on the part. And they, I'll, I'll just be in the room and they double this again, double this again, or whatever, and you just do what they say, kind of. And... Uh, uh, they put it together like that, and they add the keyboards and the vocals. The vocals was a lot of work, because he'd, he'd have us doing the harmonies like uh, over and over again, you know, mm-hmm. tripling them and quadrupling them to make them sound big. And uh, we would all do the harmony vocals. Um, you know, obviously Kevin would do the lead vocals, but then we'd all go in and do the high high part together. Yeah. And I remember he'd make Kevin stand way back because he has such a loud mouth, loud voice. <laughs> yeah. He was way louder. What an amazing voice. Yeah. Yeah, he, he was a he had a he was a big guy with a big 
big loud voice. Uh, so he had to stand back like five feet and I'd stand up close and my voice isn't as loud, but uh, we do the high part together, do the middle part together, then do the low part together and triple them, quite whatever they wanted. Yeah. The engineer and uh, producer and uh, it was definitely more work than today because today they can just fly it around and yeah, sure. you know, double it and triple it. You guys uh, were we, you guys were one of the first bands to do those kind of the gang vocal thing, you gang know. Vocal, and, right. Yeah. yeah. And, and 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 like the chants and stuff and the haze and all that. And then before you knew it, you know, there's of course Twisted Sisters got them going on, yeah. Motley Crue, all these bands and everything. But, you know, that album it, when it when it came out, I remember how how young I was and 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 of course MTV introduced you guys to me and of course all my friends yeah. and and it was the most explosive thing because that's basically you know, I was a big Kiss fan. I just loved rock and roll, heavy metal, whatever. I didn't know what heavy metal was at that point until you guys kind of introduced wow. it to me. And, and for me, it was Black Sabbath. I didn't it, know what metal was like. Yeah, Sabbath. yeah. When you had Black Sabbath, you have your ACDCs and stuff. But then, you know, uh, the term metal, metal health, and all that, and it right, comes on right. and it explodes on the, on my TV set, and I basically stay up all night long just to just to watch the few <laughs> you know videos that are come out there you know you had the thompson twins and everything else and then come right. on feel the noise would come on and yeah. but the riff that you can hear around the world even today i mean come on feel the noise metal health that guitar riff you can hear them in arenas stadiums um hell i mean before big concerts you know yeah. before a band comes out you hear bow bow down <laughs> i mean it's just explosive so anywhere you go even today what's that like for you to like just go into an environment and then you hear your own songs that you recorded you know years ago it's it's uh, rewarding it feels good that uh you know we had that kind of an impact i feel privileged and grateful and uh, we do hear it a lot of places. Me and my wife will be driving in the car, and all of a sudden I'll come on, we'll be rocking out. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they played it at our wedding, obviously, and uh, both songs. And uh, I hear it a lot of places, restaurants, weird grocery store, weird places, you know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, is, it is gratifying. It really is. It's That's the payoff, you know, to, that uh, what you did was successful. And kind of therein lies the problem. The further the future albums after that weren't as successful because so many people were trying to tell us what to do and they should have just left us alone because the first record was stuff that we were playing in the clubs, being yeah. ourselves, you know. And how and, much you know, when success yeah. comes, everybody wants to tell you what to do, kind of thing, you know. Of course. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I was gonna say how much pressure lies on a band to replicate the success of mental health here you, you know condition critical comes next did you guys enter the studio with 10 ton weight on your shoulders thinking man how are we going to replicate that one more time or or were you in a totally different mindset at, at that point pretty confident that you were going to replicate that without any issues uh well no we weren't confident that we we're going to replicate that and i try not to think about it but it just definitely weighs in the back of your mind um i can't lie about that uh uh, all you can do is, you know, do the best you can, write the best songs you can, and what happens, happens. Uh, maybe we got lucky on that first record. It's kind of like winning the lottery. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, um, the times changed also, and the music changed a little bit. That probably had a lot to do with it. And um, uh, along with uh, the music we were pumping out was probably not as good because 
uh, sometimes we'd go in there with a whole uh, bunch of songs and the producer would go, no, these aren't good enough. Let's just go back to the drawing board. And we're like, what? You know, they, right. they kept us out of work for like years. And at one point, and uh, just playing this cat and mouse game with material. And uh, I thought the songs were great. They should have just left us alone. But yeah, I don't yeah. Know. you know, a lot of. A lot, a lot of, a lot, you know, you hear the critics and say, you know, about how it, it, it wasn't a, a successful album, which to me, it was, it was a very successful album, Condition Critical. Sure. And I love yeah, it. The, it's actually, I, I like it better than the first one. Although, oh, you really? know, the, the first one did a lot for me, but I enjoyed Condition Critical, especially mm -hmm. the title track. And it seems like there's so many of these albums, like you, you wrote the, the title tracks for these albums. <laughs> You know, condition critical, metal health, and 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 even uh, we are warriors with King Cobra. It's just, uh, I guess, something you do. And also, best of me with Rat. I, I, I'm lucky. I don't know. I must be doing something right, but uh, I am lucky. I'm grateful of that. Uh, that's so cool. People. For sure. But I, 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 I do deem condition critical as a as a success. I mean, any anyone who sells that many copies today, yes, would they yeah, would, yeah, success, sure. they'd be huge. But let's talk about your first tours, man. Like. Was it uh, ZZ Top, Eliminator Tour? Huge album. Uh, and then mm -hmm. Black Sabbath, Born Again. You guys go on tour with them. Were you, were you out doing Black Sabbath? Oh, here's, here's a house security. <laughs> um, actually, the, the first band to take us out was Scorpions. Okay. And okay. Uh, we ended that tour at the Us Festival with those guys, and that was a really good tour. And after that, we went out with, uh, I think it might have been ZZ Top. I forget. It was ZZ Top, Lover Boy. And uh, we got to tour with some uh, Black Sabbath, like you had mentioned. Uh, fortunately, we got to tour with some great bands that exposed us to a lot, lot of people that might not even, you know, picked up our record. But uh, we, we, I, I thank them a lot for that, and uh, we had fun on those tours, definitely. Were any of the headliners a little bit nervous with, um, you know, your your rise to fame? You know, your album going number one, and that had to be an amazing feeling. Just checking the Billboard, you know where are we at now where you know is okay we're we're climbing we're climbing and then you guys end up being the very first number one heavy metal record on billboard what was that feeling like and and, and did you guys party it down once you got to number one <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh it, it was exciting to be honest with you we checked the numbers every week our manager would send us the numbers we'd be on the road and actually it became number one when we were on tour with black sabbath <laughs> Those wow. guys came in, in and uh, had all this champagne and were making yeah. us drink. And they, wow. they powdered our noses. And, oh, it was <laughs> the show wasn't that great. To be honest with you, I was like, you know, trying to move my hand. I was so stiff. You know, it's like, oh, my God. This is, but, uh, <laughs> hey, you only party like that once, so I had a good time. Wow. I need to get to some of your comments. We have a lot of people in here that are that are really enjoying this. Uh, let's see. We've got Michael Edward Campbell. He says, can you ask Carlos if he remembers when they played at Magic Mountain? That was an amazing show. I do remember that. I definitely do. That was a great time for us. We, we, the band was, we were such great friends. And, you know, at that point, at the very beginning, that's, that's day one, basically. We, we They ended up doing two shows. They cleared the people out and had a whole other group come in and our crowd come in and uh, it was really really good day for us and actually uh it was a famous picture that somebody took sitting on the drum riser that was taken at uh that show magic mountain after the show wow, wow. michael edward campbell says i love run for cover and slick 
black Cadillac, which I have to ask, why did you guys not, or why didn't the record company release Slick Black Cadillac as a single? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I can answer, can answer that. Um, uh, actually run for cover was the first song Kevin and I wrote together. Is that right? From scratch. And, uh, as far as Slick Black Cadillac, he, he had written that with Randy and, uh, the, a lot of the guitar riffs were Randy's riffs. I thought they were so great. I kept them, you know, hmm. I threw in a couple of my own little things, but, uh, at least three quarters of it was his, his, so his soloing and stuff. Wow. It, it sounded, I didn't want to mess with it. Why, why mess with a perfect piece of art? You know? This uh, Matt Lemieux uh, in the chat room says, to this day, oh, my wife still loves telling the story on how she, I don't know if she, he says, mommy tucked uh, Carlos in a, in a Murphy bed back in 2004 when we were hanging with him <laughs> and the rest of the Hollywood All-Stars at an Airbnb in Hawaii. Wow. Carlos was tired and wanted to go to bed. And the Murphy, uh, let's see, that's a long one. Murphy bed was in the living room where everyone was still partying. Uh, quite an experience we had. Wow. <laughs> I bet you do not remember that one. <laughs> I do. I do. Oh. Uh, he, he's a good friend of ours. Cool. Matt's a real good friend. I've known him for like uh, maybe 10, 15 years, maybe longer than that, 20 years. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's a, a good, good guy. Dude. He's a military guy, you know, Navy yes. guy. I think he's in the Navy or something. Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they were partying with us one night in Hawaii. That was when I was playing with the Hollywood All-Stars. And uh, we had to share this like big condo. I remember that. It was a lot of fun. Wow. Well, so let's talk a little bit about QR3. You know, it's basically, to me, mental health and condition critical is like brothers and, you know, young, young bro older brother, young brother, whatever. <laughs> and, then, and then QR3 comes out. It's a little more polished, a lot more produced uh, keyboards in there. And of course, while, you know, the, the first single, I love that song, but some of the songs in, on the album are a little bit more commercial. Um, what made you guys go in that direction? And, or is that something that the record company was kind of forcing you guys to do? Or is that something naturally that you guys wanted to do? Uh, definitely not naturally what we wanted to do. That was something the producer wanted us to do. Okay. Be more, you know, radio friendly and all that but was it the right idea for choir riot probably not <laughs> most likely not uh definitely not i think we should have just stuck to the more metal edge to do what we're you know that's what we're about we're not a polished band i didn't i don't want to be a polished band i sure. i pride my guitar playing and being like dirty and scratchy and noises right. and you know scrapes and stuff i, yeah. I don't want to be all perk you know i don't like that you definitely have a unique sound for sure. You know what? I want to just quickly go in a different direction and then we're going to come back this way. But I even watched your Starlicks video over the weekend. Starlicks. I mean, it, it took me back, you know, and you're in, you were discussing your guitars of choice and your amps of choice. I don't know how, how much, if any, has your gear changed from what you used back then to what you use now? Uh, it went through a lot of changes. Uh, back then, it was just Marshalls with distortion box and uh, delay pedals, basically pedals. And then as we had more success, I tried rack mount stuff. Yeah. And then I, in the 90s, I was trying to use, you know, digital, uh, uh, you know, digital guitar sounds and stuff like that. And then when I joined Rat, I owe it to Warren Martini. He, 
he talked me, I throw a lot of crap away and go back to pedals the old school way. And I did. And it's, I love it. It sounds so much better. And, and today I still use just, uh, you know, stomp boxes. It's so much easier on the road too. you know, you have to tour all this rack mount stuff. And uh, I like the sound better too. Mm. Right on. Let me uh, let me go back to what we were talking about before I stuck that one in here. I want you. To, I want to first of all say that I respect that you have made plenty of comments to plenty of other people who've interviewed you, and we understand that the Quiet Riot era is in your rearview mirror, and we respect that you've moved on to other projects and and you're involved with those now, and you're doing you're doing great work to this day. But I, I know that because of what Quiet Riot meant to you, um, not only you know, launching your career, but the time that you spent with those guys, I would imagine that it has been a journey for you to process losing two of your friends. And let's set aside any wrongdoings that may have happened on their end that were you know, disappointing to you. What has that journey of processing the fact that your two friends are no longer here with us, what has that been like for you? And are you, are you even through the journey? Does the journey continue for you? Um, you know, probably never be through it. I think when anybody is in your life and passes away, it changes you in some way. It changes your life to a certain degree. And because I spent so much time with those guys, probably will never really get over it. It'll always be in the back of my mind, you know, why did it happen? Why? Uh, but uh, yeah, I always they're they're you know they're not in my life anymore. But you still talk to them in your mind, and you know any, anybody that passes away, you might still talk to them in a spiritual way rather than you know the way it used to be. Obviously, because they're not around. Yeah, sure. That that I mean that was you know that that hurt the metal community. You know when Kevin passed, uh, sure. and, and of course the way he passed and. You know, I, I had the pleasure of meeting him at, at Rocklahoma backstage and, and, and of course, Frankie as well. And, and talked to Frankie while he was uh, breaking down his drums and getting ready to, you know, set them all up and getting ready to play. And he was a funny guy, cracking jokes. You can tell he was uh, really lived for the those big moments and those big festivals and, and uh, kind of what kind of got him going that day and of course you know kevin's just a big tall like you said he's a big guy he was real tall all over the place <laughs> yeah all over the place and and when i first saw him he was you know giant and i was like man I have a killer show and he was like who are you i, <laughs> I said just a just a musician that played you know played there earlier played earlier in the day you know but uh so but i, I love your stuff man and and but he was cool he just laughed it off and then and then he had an amazing, amazing performance. But, um, you know, him passing, I mean, where were you when you heard the news? Did someone, did someone call you or, you know, was that something like that take a little bit for you to, uh, you know, get over, of course? Process. Yeah, process. Uh, well, we, uh, yeah, me and my wife's phones were ringing off the hook really early in the morning. I think it was 7, 8 in the morning or something mm. like that. And uh, she had answered her phone. I was still half asleep. And she woke me up and told me. And we were, like, kind of tripping out on it. And, wow, you know, it's like we, we did attend his services, too. Mm. 
Wow. You know, what, what was so, I, I mean, I just didn't see it coming because it seemed like he was in such good shape and, and it was just so unfortunate. And listen, I know you were not involved in that documentary that came out. Uh, now, what, what's it called now? I should have written it down. Now, now, now we're here or something. Or? Yeah. The yeah. one that basically Frankie and his wife did. Did you even, did you watch that? And, and if you did, what did you think of that? Uh, to be honest, I haven't even seen it. Bits okay. and pieces of it. Okay. But I really had no desire to see it. It wasn't a good representation of the whole band. Obviously, Kevin's not in it, and I, right. I wasn't in it. Yeah, it became a thing where they, those guys kind of screwed me around a little bit. And then when they did that, I was like, you know, what did I do to deserve this? I'm yeah. like the most easiest going guy in the, in the, in the band. Right. And it was just about 2003. Is this 2003? 2003. Yeah, I said, you know what? I'm done with these people. I'm done with this band. I'm done. And I just kind of closed that chapter in my life and moved on. And I, I, at that point I said, I'm never going to do anything involving quiet, Riot. You know, yeah. I'm out, I'm out, I'm done. Well, and this was when they had Chuck Wright in the band. And, and of right. course, Frankie right. goes, but they can, they decide to continue on with the name. Right. Um, Rudy yeah. Gump comes back. Uh, what are your thoughts on them continue on as quiet, Wright? And ha- have mm-hmm. they ever reached out to you to uh, join, join in with them? Uh, no, they haven't reached out. I, I think they know I probably wouldn't be into doing it. Um, if the, Kevin and Frankie were still around, I would with the original band. But at this point, there, I don't think there is a point to do it. Sure, sure. Um, uh, what else was I going to say? Um, what was the other part of your question? I forget. Uh, oh, what do I think about them out there? I, I, I don't mind it. I mean, they got to find their own crowd, I guess, and yeah. write their own songs and try to make their own fame and fortune. But uh doing it what they're doing now it only helps sell the first couple of records so it helps me you know yeah, I yeah absolutely. Kind of well there you go right you know uh anytime we ha- we've had the honor of having several guests on this show who were part of the here and aid project and i have mm-hmm. to know that must have been such an amazing thing to be part of share some of your favorite memories of that time uh doing the here and aid song with those guys uh, it, it was a, a lot of fun. I got to meet a lot of people that I haven't met in the past. And uh, everybody was, you know, in good spirits. They had, you know, girls down there and booze and open bar. And... <laughs> <laughs> That's probably how they got everybody down there. Free booze. <laughs> yeah. Come on down. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. And hanging out with Ronnie was a lot of fun. It was his mastermind, obviously, Ronnie Dio and his bandmates. And uh, recording with him was an experience. Him and Angelo Curie, the engineer, is a good friend of mine. He, he was a great engineer. And I remember going to the studios and working with them. And I remember the day when everybody did the vocal tracks, the harmony, the chorus part. And uh, it was quite an experience. Everybody just hanging out and talking and uh, changing, exchanging stories. And it was fun. What was the first major purchase that you made um, after the first album comes out? I mean, we're talking, it's now, what, 10 million sold worldwide at six <laughs> times platinum. What was your major, your first major uh, purchase? New uh, car? Car, car, mm-hmm. yeah. A Corvette I bought back in 84. But then the next one, obviously, is a house. You had to have a house, you know. For Gotta sure. have a place to live. You, know, you seem like that you were always probably really good with your money and didn't probably go you know the ways of some of some of the other rock stars have gone you know broken within a year or whatever but you seem like you always always had a really good head on your shoulders and probably did things the right way 
Well, I try to. <laughs> I tell you, I try to. I owe a lot to my wife. She, I, we've been with her for like 20 years almost now. Well, we've only been married for eight years, but we've been together for like, I think, 19 years now. Yeah. 18, 18. Uh, but she straightened up my life. There was a time when, when I was a little bit of a mess money-wise. I was blowing too much money partying and not paying attention to things. And um, that can happen, you know, driving around in exotic cars and hanging out with your friends. Yeah. Buying everybody whatever they want, you know. You know, we were talking about how the internet changes a lot of things and, and and back in the day when i would follow you guys especially when you guys first first started coming out you know of course it was all the magazines the circus magazines the hit paraders the the, the cream magazines the faces whatever they were always in in our grocery stores and we'd go in there and <laughs> right right and so you know back then it was def leopard and quiet right you two were the giants that were just you know, had pyromania, metal health. Yeah. You guys were always, and they would always like put you guys like Quiet Riot versus Def Leppard, blah, blah, right, blah. Right. And uh, that just had to be a, a, just a cool feeling where if you go in the store and you see all the, did you collect any of those magazines and like read them back then yourselves? Or was, was that just kind of the, a fan thing? Uh, actually, I did collect some of that stuff. I wish I would have collected a lot more. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was a thing of, you know, Motley Crue versus Quiet Riot, Def Leppard versus Quiet Riot. Then I remember we did a thing on Life Magazine, Scorpions versus Quiet Riot. We were on the cover. Like, we, wow. they had us all jumping in the air. And I have a copy of that somewhere. Too they had us jumping up in the air looking at each other like, you know, ah, like that kind of thing. That uh, is you so might cool. be able to search it out on YouTube or something like that, or uh, Safari or something like that. Mm. It was me, Life Magazine in 1985, I believe. Yeah. Wow. We were on the cover. Or maybe, uh, no, maybe not the cover, the inside, the big fold-out. Still, still a big deal. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to get to some questions, but yeah. I... I, I we know we brought up your wife, uh, Vicky, and she was really cool to cool yes. to deal with um, on Facebook and everything. She seems really nice. But I did uh, go over on her page, and I, she has a posted a video where I guess your your one of your guitars you played in snow that you somehow oh, yeah. didn't have anymore, and and somehow <laughs> they got it back to you. And she was filming you opening up the case, and it was yeah. like, I think it was a red guitar or something. Right, red and white stripe, uh, like a barber pole kind of thing. Wow. Yeah, that was the guitar I, in the heyday of snow, I was using. Um, uh, you know, Grover Jackson got that guitar for me. I've been working with uh, Grover Jackson since back then, like late 70s. And, you know, I also have an endorsement with Gibson. I owe a lot to Gibson guitars. They take good care of me for the last, like, 15, uh, 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. And, um uh, yeah, I ended up selling that. Like when I was in snow, I needed the, the money. I wasn't. Uh, I, I needed. I was using some other guitars at that point, so I sold that. And the guy that uh, bought it wanted to give it back to me, like last year, I think it was, or whenever that was, uh, a year or two ago. And I go, dude, I'll pay for it. What do you want for it? I'll give you whatever you want for it. And he said he wants to give it to me. I go, oh. he came over to my house and gave it to me and everything. Wow. I knew the guy. He, he was a friend of our. Our uh, Snow's manager back in the late 70s, uh, mm. our manager, Stuart White. He was a friend of uh, Stuart White's. Wow. That is so yeah, cool. Of course, your brother, Tony, was uh, in Hurricane. Um, and then uh, their, their singer, uh, Kelly, he was uh, now a uh, foreigner, is uh, retiring. Yeah, yeah right. Kelly So Hansen. is Kelly Hansen, are they uh, any talks of Hurricane maybe getting back together? 
Give us some news. I don't know. Maybe the, uh, he might. Uh, he probably doesn't maybe want to do anything anymore either. I don't know. Hard to say, but they're happy with the guy they have now. So uh, you know, that's my brother tells me they're they're great with him. So that's cool. Who that's knows? Cool. Let's get, tell, let's get to a viewer question here from Terry Fleming. Do any memories from the old days inspire the music you make today? Uh, of course, yeah. Uh, we Are Warriors was written about all the partying that we did in the 80s on the Sunset Strip. If you listen to the lyrics, you know, it's about going out to the strip to check out the bands, check out the girls and, uh, you know, all this. I didn't write the lyrics. Paul Shortino did. But uh, when we wrote the song, uh, we we. I said, yeah, we should write about, you know, the days that we had back in the 80s, you know, and he, he loved the idea and uh, did a great job on it, and uh, we're influenced by that, definitely. You know, what we're doing here right now is, uh, is a, a good use of social media. I know sometimes social media is used for not the greatest things. What, in your opinion, is the impact of social media on music today? Obviously, it has a huge one. Do you feel... Do you feel in a way it has negatively impacted music or, or do you think it's nothing but a positive because it helps get the word out there that much more? I'd have to say positive. It is. It spreads the word to people that might not even know who you are. Right. And uh, the sale of your music, people can buy it so easy just on their phone. So sales have kind of gone up since digital. Right. And um but, you know, there's a downside. You get the trolls, you know, once in a while pop their head out. But I'm sure everybody does, you know, no matter who you are, you get that. But uh, it's definitely a positive. It, it, just like MTV was in the 80s, now, you know, social media is now. For sure. Wow. For sure. Well, like we, we brought up how many times you've played Rocklahoma. It was numerous times, and they were always with Rat. Um, I, I was fortunate to uh, be on, on a bill with you guys here in Tulsa when you played the Rock Never Stops tour. And, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I think it rained, and you, <laughs> they moved everybody into a club um, here in Tulsa to get out of the rain, which really sucked because <laughs> because with all the confusion and they had to move everybody, some of the early bands got bumped. So we were standing in there with all of our equipment and everything, and then it's like, well, we got we got to move forward. But I stayed there all night and had a great time. It was all the original lineup. It was you. It was Rudy. All right you know kevin and frankie and they had right. some kind of a rope whatever but i stood there and watched that whole show and, and it was amazing because when i was a wow. kid you came here with helix and white snake yeah i remember that tour yeah and and of course that was the condition critical tour and um i was supposed to have gotten tickets from my dad or whatever and he never got them so i was really bummed out about that oh, wow. but uh you know you playing in rat and, and you make this an amazing record with Steven and everybody and you're, you're playing with along with Warren and I, I got to let, look at this album and see that you co-wrote so many songs off that album. And, you know, we always, we always thought that when Robin Crosby was no longer, uh, in, in rat, he was one of their main songwriters. And yes, he when he was gone, they never really released anything else after Robin that, that, you know, was stood the test of time and was there a reason why they brought you in to be to be a, a major songwriter to, to collaborate with the the rat guys well i don't know if they brought me in for the songwriting abilities that i well my songwriting ability but uh, um 
what was I going to say? Well, actually, Robin is the first guy I knew before I met any of those guys. I used to hang out with him. He was always such a nice guy, real tall, oh, yeah. way taller, but a real big guy, good looking guy, too, you know. Um, but uh, I, um, I maybe actually Warren had ran into Vinny Apathy at a at a club in Hollywood and asked asked him for my phone number. I guess they were looking for guitar players. I don't know why they thought of me, but um, I don't know if it has anything to do with because I because of my songwriting. I really doubt that. Uh, I don't think they even knew I could write songs. When wow. I came into their, I'm not sure. Uh, but I did go down and 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 work with them for a little bit. It worked out, and I ended up, you know, I think thankfully they let me play with the band, and yeah, it was a privilege to play with those guys. I had a fun, I had a lot of fun playing with those guys. It was like being in the '80s again because those guys still party a lot, you know. And you know, <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of, a lot of the bands you tour with, they're they're older now. They just go to their room and watch TV or something. These guys <laughs> like to party still. And it was fun. The album's a powerhouse. I mean, it really is. I mean, you can put put it record, up yeah. put it up against pretty a lot of their even their earlier stuff. Just sounds great. The 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 production's good. Um, yeah, Elvis Basquet producing. He's he's a great producer. Yeah, Absolutely. and of course you know, you know we see, got to go record that record. Actually, um, another weird recording was uh, we went to his like studio in Virginia Beach, north of Virginia Beach somewhere. And it was like right on the ocean, on, on the beach, and it was it was like a vacation home. It was fun. Uh, so I'd be like laying out in the sun, swimming a little bit, and they'd call me, go do some more guitar parts, and I'd go yeah. up there. And it, it was a fun uh, recording like that. And uh, we we had to stay there for like I think it was a month or so, a couple of weeks here and there. Yeah, and when you got in the band, I thought well, you, you you're perfect fit for it. You know, yeah, I mean, you I was. Play... I, th- I felt that was too. I was. It was a lot of fun playing with Warren, and I, I like I like all those guys. They're great people, even though, you know, things aren't working out now. They're still my friends at the end of the day, yeah. and I wish them the best. And I hope maybe one day we can do something again one day. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if they guys, if those Stephen and and Warren and Bobby and everybody can work some things out and uh, decide to do another tour, or whatever new album, something. Um, I hope I hope that you make you get that call and and. I'm definitely the guy for the gig. I don't think there's anybody yes. else that would fit as good as I did. I awesome. Think. Totally agree. I agree. Uh, we'll start to wrap things up here with you. I do have another viewer question from Benjamin Cutler. He says, will you do any studio stuff with your brother? Um, actually, uh, I just kind of did. Uh, he's playing bass on one song on the King Cobra album. Okay. The song called uh, Dance. Cool. That's him on bass. And Bob Daisley played bass on... Uh, one more night. Oh wow! Wow, excellent! So, wow, did a record one record. <laughs> now you're still but, living. Uh, yeah, I'll record. I'm sorry. I'll probably definitely record with him other stuff in the future. Yeah, I would love to. Fantastic, wow. my brother. You, you still live in uh, in L.A. Is that right? Yeah, Northridge, California. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think I met you. Uh, we we actually went out there. Uh, do, you, do you remember happening, Harry? I do, yeah, I know him. He was a yeah. promoter, to, you know, for the Cat right. Club, and, and he right. would book book a lot of bands out there. And and our band uh, got out there, and and we played a few few of those places out there. Right. And I think there's one of the shows that we did. It was like 2006. It was a a place called the Joint. Oh yeah. In Hollywood, mm-hmm. Beverly Hills, or something like that. It was this the same place well, where that Bre- was? Wasn't that the House of Blues, the Joint? Yeah. That, that, well, I, I I believe I so. Yeah, I think it was House of Blues inside there. Yeah, it was the same the same That's club right. that Brett Michaels, which uh, did 
did some shots uh, for Rock of Love or something like that. Right. I'm sure that's House of Blues. But we did a show there. And then after after us, and there was like an all-star type jam and everything. There was the the guy from um, Armored Saint and... You were up there playing. I was like, that's Carlos. That's freaking Carlos. <laughs> anyway, I, I got to meet that. you and say hi. It, it was it was years ago, years ago. Okay, one more viewer question. One more question here for you. Uh, can you ask Carlos if he remembers Asylum Suite, Michael, Anthony, Michael Anthony's younger brother from Van Halen? I do. I do. Yeah. Michael Anthony's a good friend of me. I like him. He's a great guy. I've met him many times and... I got the opportunity to jam on stage with him a few times. And uh, yeah, I do remember his brother, yeah, Asylum Sweet. Yeah, they were cool people. They used to be in the in the club scene for a long time, yeah. Wow. So we've grilled you about all things music. This is <laughs> this is a new question I'm starting to roll in for our, our guests because I, I always hope I can hit on something that you rarely get asked about. But it, what is the one thing that no one ever asks you about that you're passionate to talk about that you maybe want to spend a minute or two talking about? Or did we already cover it? Uh, no, um, passionate about uh, probably uh, cars. I like cars. Is that and, right? Uh, hobbies like uh, building models. And, cool. Uh, sorry about that, my dog. Uh, racing slot cars, things like that. Me and my friends build slot cars and models and Cool. Uh, I work on all my own cars, except for one of them, an exotic car. I have to take it to a shop. You can't even get into it without putting it on a lift and taking the bottom apart. But um, like my wife's car and some, some of my friends know I fix cars, so they come to me when they have car problems. Can you oh, check wow. this out? And I usually fix it for free. They just pay for the parts, you know. Oh, that's so cool. Do you, I, do I can't you... rip a whole engine apart. I might fix like the alternator or the water pump or, you know, bolt on stuff like that. So are you one of those guys that has cars that he enters in car shows, like to compete for, for prizes? <laughs> no, I, I wish I could. I got one car that's probably probably almost good enough to put in a decent car show, but I don't, it's a lot of work to do that. Sure. Yeah. Those things have to be immaculate. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. All you right. know, you, you guys, you, you were right there in the thick of it when Van Halen and Quiet Riot were, you know, as, every, as the stories are told that there were rivalries there in LA, um, you, you saw it kind of firsthand yourself and then you joined the Quiet Riot and, and you now know well, at least one side of that. How big was that rivalry, or, or is that just a bunch? Is that just a bunch of noise? <laughs> no, it really was a rivalry because Kevin would would always be like mouthing off a little bit when they're opening up for Van Halen, and Eddie didn't like that at all. He would like try to put him in his place. And I remember uh, at the grand opening of Guitar Center, uh, me and Eddie and Kevin kicked all the girls out of the girls' bathroom, and we went in there. We had security block the door, and Kevin and, and uh, and Eddie were getting into arguing. I was sitting there watching and, you know, mediating, basically. Jeez. And they got on the floor and they're arm wrestling. Okay, whoever wins this arm wrestling match is going to be the winner of this argument, basically. And uh, it was just a crazy night. I can't believe they were doing that. <laughs> Man, wow. So cool. Wow. And, and I, like I saw some stuff where Kevin, you know, there was always him and, and Nikki Six always kind of going at it, you know, back and forth yeah. in the day in the magazines and everything. And, and, uh, and and I kind of understand Kevin's uh, side because you guys broke down that door with mental health. And then, you know, it took you guys a lot of hard work, a lot of, you know, it took you a long time to do it, especially with Kevin and Randy and everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, he sees everyone just getting a pass, you know, getting signed left and right. And, and he probably felt like, you know, 
you know, great that you guys did kick in that door, but everyone else is kind of like, you know, came in right behind you a little bit. And so I, I can feel, I could see where he could probably felt a little, you know, um, like a knife a little bit, you know, twisted in him a little bit. <laughs> well, well, for me, a lot of those people were our friends. I met them to play in the local club scene. I knew the guys yeah. in Motley Crue. I knew the guys in Dawkin and, uh, you know, uh, Great White and uh, God, who else? Uh, anybody else? I kind of forgot. Sorry about that. But uh, a lot of people and they're all my friends. So, you know, I don't know why it was it was like that. But um, God, I was, forgot what I was going to say after this. Uh, what was your question again though oh just i it's just i how i understood where i could see oh, where he was a little upset right. with, with with people right. just getting you know a, oh, a free yeah. pass you know to get signed I've, without i've always kind of wondered if maybe deep down he he was insecure i don't know maybe he definitely was an insecure person he definitely okay. was but yeah. you know there were people that came before us like van halen and def leppard kind of helped to pave the way for us right and i think we were the ones from la that just kind of took off sure. you know but Van Halen was a whole different ball game than we were, a whole different league, you know. So they were just kind of looking at us at the time, I guess. Yeah. Well, that Us Festival was an amazing thing, and and it, it's so cool to watch. Even today, it's so great to go to go back and watch that footage yeah, of cool. of and and I was and you guys were like were the first band on that bill. Is that correct? Even even before Motley Crue, and I don't think Motley Crue, you guys were more a little more. Um, uh, established than Motley Crue was and but you guys played before them is that right is that how that lineup went uh we did uh we went on first 12 noon we had to be on wow. and, and uh I, I think there was a band on the I, Joe Walsh was supposedly on the bill and huh. he bumped off so they our manager got us in there which we I love it for that um but we had to be on at 12 noon and we had to wake up like seven in the morning to get there at 12 noon because there's such a a lot of people on the the roads were traffic all jammed up and some of the bands were being flown in on helicopter but for some reason i think we were kind of scared kevin was a little scared after randy had passed away in the air, oh, air disaster so he didn't want to fly we, we didn't want to either probably but we drove in in vans and uh, it took us a while probably an hour or two to get in there and uh you know and then another hour or so to get ready so we had to be there really early uh, but I'll never forget it. They had all the trailers that everybody dressed in next to each other. So all the bands, you know, were seeing each other and saying hi to everybody. You know, everybody was talking to each other. It was, it was fun. Mm. Oh. No, go ahead. Oh, it's just that we've got two different people in here who are dying to know if you either have written a book or if you haven't, if you would consider writing a book. Um, I would. I've had a couple different people come to me for a book and a, a ghostwriter. Uh, I haven't agreed yet, but I probably will. I, I'm sure I, it'll happen one day. That's awesome news. Wow. You All know, right. you have stated, um, and we'll let you go, you have stated um, in previous interviews on how, you know, of course, Kevin, He, you know, he had his uh, his way of words and, and the way he liked to speak out is a little more outspoken. Right. Um, but you said when when uh, Frankie would come around, his his personality would change and everything like that. Why do you think that it was Frankie that would, you know, maybe uh, make him change the way he um, his attitude and everything? Well, uh, the problem was both of them were kind of a personality people. I don't know if you know what a personality sure. is. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're kind of like all about themselves, me, 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 and. Uh, you know, I make the rules here. You must follow my rules kind of thing. They were really, they didn't, uh, how can I put this? 
they didn't know the meaning of uh, of, of positive reinforcement. Mm. You know, they they only knew force compliance. You know, yeah. do this now. You know, instead of you know the old term, if you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Well, they used sour vinegar. They didn't care about honey. <laughs> they were those kind of people. Yeah. And uh, Kevin was easier to handle on his own. But when Frankie would come around, I think he would light the fires under his ass, and mm. it would be worse to deal with both of them together. It was like when one of them was mad at you, they are both mad at you. Mm. Wow. <laughs> it was wow. a strange uh, relationship they had, like a bromance or whatever you want to call it. I don't know what, but you know. I was never a problem with Dan. I, I was always the easiest guy to get along with, probably. Yeah, you you, you surely am. seem that way. Yeah, I can tell. You you probably had to play peacemaker more than once. I and... did in many situations. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Of course. And you know the thing I do feel about bad about is you know Kevin. I have to say he was really protective of his bandmates. Like when we'd go out to club together and stuff, and he thought somebody was kind of giving me some shit, or he'd go get in the middle and hey, you leave him all out. He was really <laughs> protective. He was like that with everybody. I have to yeah. say and. I feel bad that I wasn't there in his time of need, you know, uh, when he was passing away. I, you know, I wish I would have been there partying with him. I could have maybe done something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have certainly had a, a career um, that you should be very proud of. Um, it is truly our honor to speak with you this evening and to celebrate your career and your accomplishments with you. We want to remind people, please go to bangyourhead.us and pick up some clothing or jewelry right or other fun stuff from from uh, Carlos and Vicky's Gazaris. Yeah, I mean, he, who doesn't want a Gazari shirt? Yeah, I mean, I, pretty bad. We actually saw, we went to L.A. and we saw Steel Panther. Uh, what was it with the Palladium? Is that what they called it afterwards? Oh, yeah, after, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was a cool show. I like those guys. They're pretty cool people. I know them. Absolutely. But yeah, guys, go go to the store, pick up some stuff, and support Carlos in his uh, ventures with King Cobra Freak Show and whatever else he decides to delve into. Carlos, thank you so much for your time tonight. Please tell Vicky thank you for us as well. I, I definitely will. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks, Appreciate buddy. it. Awesome. Have a great night. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Awesome. Love it. That was great, man. What a what a sweet guy. He, yeah. Sweet soul. Yeah, and there's so much to talk about, you know, because he's been through so much. I know. And and and, and uh, uh, his 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 attitude with a lot of it is, you know, the way he explains a lot of it, you know, is a lot different than the way you would think like you'd read like in magazines and things, you know, mm -hmm. they, they blow the, these things out of proportion. He, he seems to just kind of laugh a lot of that stuff off and yeah. just like, yeah, it's, it's just what happened. And then we just moved on from it. And, and you know, I think it was Elizabeth uh, Talcott that said in here, he still looks great. He does. Uh, he, he is one of those guys that is aging quite well. And uh, you can tell he's healthy and, and in, in a good place in his life. And again, we, we thank him and his wife, uh, Vicky for helping accommodate that interview. That was amazing. You know, I I want I did ask him. You know, why Slick Black Cadillac was never a single off that album because it was a big song. It was a big song. Yeah. Without it being a single, and and you would think like this album is doing great. We have Come On Feel the Noise. Mm -hmm. and then we got Bang Your Head, and then of course the the Thunderbird and um with the song to Randy Rhodes yeah. was on there, and people were gravitating to that song as mm -hmm. well. And then a uh uh, slick black Cadillac, you know, was just a fun song, and it was a, it was a song that Randy had on the set on the Quiet Riot too. Yeah. So he's basically like the first guy to cover a Randy Rhodes song. 
you know, and he covered it in the same band that Randy was in. So, you know, you're talking, asked him about, you know, filling, filling some big shoes and everything. And, yeah. you know, he had to do that live, but he also had to do it in the recording studio. And it would have been cool if, um, if the, if Randy ever got to hear any demos of slick black Cadillac with, with uh, Carlos on guitar yeah. and, and what he thought about it. And maybe he never did, but he died, you know, prior to metal hell. So mm -hmm. it would have been an, an amazing, uh, just knowing what he thought about that song being recorded. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure he would have loved it. Uh, but you know, I didn't really get to delve as much as I wanted to into Carlos's actual style of playing. Uh, I heard a guy, another guy in, a, in an interview tell him that he just has that unmistakable sound. When you hear Carlos playing, you know, it's him. He's, he's got the, the right hand from hell that I wish I had. And he's just a really fantastic player and a fantastic person as well. Yeah. Another great interview yeah. here on Tulsa Music Stream. And, and they just released uh, We Are Warriors, King Cobra. You can uh, stream it on Spotify, um, of course, YouTube, and all the other streaming platforms. Yeah. Uh, check out King Cobra. Uh, go to the website and uh, maybe order yourself a CD or whatever. I'm not sure if they what they have available, but um, yeah. We're talking about some guy that was is six-time platinum. <sighs> Just and, on one album. And just, guys, like Scott brought up earlier, think about when you're out at a sporting event or in a grocery store or, I mean, how often do you hear Come On, Feel the Noise? Or, these are iconic songs that have lived on for, what, 50 years? Yeah, and, that's, and even like 40. some other songs off that album, you know, you, you hear in different, uh, like, Hair Nation, um, you know, all the time, but even the second album condition critical mama we're all crazy now you yeah. hear those in yeah, arenas no too you know yeah <laughs> they, they just cranked out those iconic hits that will never die yeah, of I course mean, you know those were slave covers uh, mama we're all crazy now come on feel the noise but perfect for um kevin's voice and yes. of course they they blew those songs up you know for sure it's amazing want to get to a few more viewer comments so we're going to give a shout out to our sponsors uh yeah, Ben, I agree with that. Benjamin Cutler, I'd love to have been a fly in the recording studio. Me too. Terry Fleming, thank you, TMS, for another great show. It is our pleasure, and we hope to bring a bunch more of these to you guys. Melissa Mumpower, thank you all. Thank you, hon, for watching. We appreciate you. Uh, Leslie, thank you for the nice comment. We definitely try to put out a good product for you guys. Uh, yeah, Benjamin, with another good comment, it would have been great if there could have been a Randy and Carlos as a twin axe attack. Woo, that would have been smoking. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Okay, uh, Michael Edward Campbell, I'm going to assume that you are asking about uh, Tulsa Music Stream merchandise. Glad you brought that up. <laughs> Let me cut to this, uh, this, this one right here. This is one of our sponsors, Identity Merch. And not only can you get, okay, here's how you get the Tulsa Music Stream uh, t-shirts or hoodie now that it's getting ready to get cold. If you guys will go to our Tulsa Music Stream Facebook page and you go to the top left, you'll see the little area where it looks like you can click on our website. If you click on that, it takes you to where you can get this merch. And Todd is so awesome. I mean, he gets these shirts out to you like next day. I think I've even seen him every, sometimes he gets them out same day, but it depends on how busy he is but my point is it is fast shipping and so we would greatly appreciate if you guys would pick up a shirt you can get short sleeve long sleeve tank or a hoodie i've got three of those hoodies uh love them they're wonderful 
And not only our stuff, but if you have any screen printing needs whatsoever for your band or your business, please get a hold of Identity Merch. You can find them online, Facebook, or I think they have an actual website as well. Just look for Identity Merch. Let's give a shout out to our other sponsors, Psychomo Filmworks. Thank you for our awesome intro. If you have any video needs, contact Psychomo at gmail.com. DEB Concerts. I bet Doug Burgess is going to sleep for three straight days recovering from the Rocklahoma that just happened. It looked like it was an amazing time out there. We hope all of you had a great time. Stay tuned because it'll happen again next year, y'all, and it's always a party. You guys know that. So DEB Concerts, thank you for being a sponsor of Tulsa Music Stream. If you guys have any IT needs whatsoever, Dustin Little is your man. Get a hold of Dustin at 918-640-0892. His company is called Oki PC. They are practical technology and networking services for Oklahoma's local business community. Shipman Photos. Do you need some photos taken? Not only of, uh, you know, like what you see in the picture here. We've done photos for this podcast. We've done it for our band Rocket Science. If you guys need any photos done whatsoever, go to shipmanphotos.com. Get a hold of those guys and they will hook you up. Like Scott said earlier, you can always watch TMS live or on replay if you go to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, or Twitch. When you go to our YouTube channel, please make sure you subscribe and hit the notification bell so you'll always know when we go live. Maybe audio is your thing. Maybe you can't always sit there and watch your phone for a straight hour. Audio is my thing. No problem, guys, because we also upload these episodes uh, to podcast format where you can just listen in your car. Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Google Podcasts, and more. That was a mouthful. Google, Google, Google. And hey, guys, we still don't have a solid date on Tim Ripper Owens, but I have faith that he will be on with us. I think he's touring. Did she say in Australia? Yep. And we're also right going after um, uh, Megadeth's um, former bass player. Dave Ellison. Yeah. Is, we have a, a verbal commitment, but we don't have a, a date nailed down. We've got some other stuff in the in the pipeline as well, but nailing it down is the trick and and sometimes we're just kind of at the mercy of waiting on them to get back and we had a lot of new people um a lot of people from the quiet riot groups um that i shared our event in and um our stream in and i would like to thank each and every one of you all of our new people man thank you guys so much because without you we aren't anything or is that i don't know if that was even correct well no it's true we we aren't anything without you because otherwise we're just sitting here talking to this wall by ourselves and that's kind of a silly use of time and we we do appreciate all the new faces all the new um all the new people coming in on our show and we do appreciate all your shares um you know that's the way we build this thing and and hopefully um we will get to a thousand subscribers on YouTube. We're now close to 700. We're like less than, we need like 30, around 30 mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. Uh, more subscribers on YouTube. And the quicker we get to a thousand, the the better we can do some cooler things on YouTube. Um, right now you can also on YouTube is you can send our, um, our, our what do they call it? Super chats and super stickers and super thanks. Um, those are always great, um, very helpful. Um, it helps us uh, re- recoup some money that we may have put yeah. into this uh, f- yep. for our lights and cameras. And we just had a TV go out just not too long ago. So, <laughs> hey, you know, everything, little thing helps. So if, we, we appreciate it. If only you guys could see what's on the other side of this camera. So <laughs> so quick, funny story. Um, we had an, yes, an 85, I said 85 inch television that was less than two years old 
go out on us it, and it got a big black line down the middle of it and we thought man rather than throw that thing out let's drag it into the stream room prop it up on a table and we'll use it as like a monitor where we can see the guest on it and that way we can be looking straight forward that thing just died within right, within right like before we three went minutes before we went live it, the whole thing just went dead and i i felt the screen it was burning hot and i was like we're gonna cook up some hot, this thing's over with <laughs> we're gonna cook some hot dogs on so that thing right? we had to just shut that thing off yeah. and, and we'll just replace it with something yeah. else and throw that thing in the trash i mean can you imagine what our neighbors you know we we have the what do they call the people that come and pick up the it's, it's called bulky waste bulky waste you they're know, the coming neighbor, monday see this big ass 85 inch tv oh <laughs> man that that neighbor that judged us so much last time when he walked by our bulky waste pickup stuff that was piled up on the curb and I'm, I'm dragging the next load out and i see him look at the load and he just shakes his head like you trashy people he didn't know I was. Yeah. You know, bulky waste would be there in less than twelve hours. He just was being very impatient. So, hey guys, where can we go again to get some merch? Already covered I know, that. I know. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I already covered that one. Anyway, uh, I think Scott and I are going to sign off, and we're going to go watch that really amazing story about that guy they're trying to capture in Pennsylvania that escaped from prison. Are you guys following that? Wow, that's a scary deal. Yeah. Be careful if you're in the Pennsylvania area. Right. Thank you guys so much. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Twitter. We are at TUL Music Stream. We're on Twitch. We're on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon. We are on uh, Apple iTunes, all that good stuff, We're man. just on. We're just on. Actually, we're not on anymore. We're getting ready to sign off. Check, our, check us out on TikTok, Instagram. <laughs> See you guys there. Hey, well, we'll be back at some point. You guys stay tuned. Go watch some previous episodes on Tulsa Music Stream. Bang your Oh, that hurt. You guys have a great night. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Take care. Good night.